Welcome to the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. Please join us as we talk about the rare disease journey. We'll discuss the who, the what, and the why of rare diseases and the special needs community. We'll also reflect on the highs and lows of some of these awful conditions and how they affect us on a daily basis. We welcome you to the Rare Hour and just know you're not alone. Many of us out there are struggling just like you. So sit back and listen, cry, and laugh. Today on the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. And welcome to the show. My name is Christopher Valona. I'm the director of projects, Sebastian, a nonprofit here in Los Angeles, California, raising awareness for a rare disease. And I really don't have a name for this new show. Uh, it's been on hiatus for almost 12 months and counting. And I thought that uh, after coming out of yet another type of dark hole or depression, whatever you want to classify it is, that I better get back to the microphone and start you know, connecting with others because I was finding that I was not listening to my own advice. And along that way, I met uh, quite a few people uh, via LinkedIn, um, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all these other different social medias, and uh, basically came across this uh, next guest. And this next guest basically changed my trajectory. Uh, even though she doesn't want to hear that, maybe she doesn't think she'll believe it, but it's true. There's always that one person that, you know, when you're struggling, that when you're trying to connect and you're trying to continue to push the needle, whatever you're doing, you could be a ditch digger, right? Or anything. You're trying to raise awareness, trying to save your dying kids, you're trying to run for president. There's always that one person that kind of just gets you, kind of connects you, kind of clicks with you. And sometimes that's not a significant other. <laughs> more, more than most, I think people would tell you that that's a complete stranger that does that. And it's crazy because that happened to me. So today's guest, the lovely, the talented podcast award-winning commentator, Effie Parks. Welcome to the show, Effie. Hi, Christopher. Thanks so much for inviting me onto the show with no name yet. Um, and thank you so much <laughs> For, for saying that. And I believe you. And that means a lot to me. You have no idea. Um, it's, it's, I always say there's magical powers in, in this community and in finding connection with other people in whatever way that ends up turning out. And I believe it. So thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's true though. It's true. I, uh, I was connected with uh, Ms. Parks here through uh, another uh, rare disease advocate, uh, Gay Grossman. Um, so, you know, just tooling around and, you know, I must, I must have gone through probably 20 emails and like 10 phone calls I just didn't respond to. And, you know, Gay was one of them. And she says, where have you been? What's going on? And I told her I just kind of dipped out. I'd had enough. I was, um, you know, challenged uh, physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, and, uh, uh, you know, I was bankrupt, as they would say. And uh, she goes, what do you need? And I said, I need to connect with other parents. I need to connect with other. I don't, I don't want to connect with professionals anymore because they're a bunch of assholes, a lot of them. And I, uh, I, I fight with them because I obviously because I don't like what they say and I'm, you know, live in fear. And she's like, well, OK. So uh, she threw out a bunch of names of uh, rare disease uh, families and parents and dads and moms. And um, Effie was uh, one that responded um, very quickly, if I might add, uh, maybe because of the connection. Uh, I'd never met Effie. I still have never met Effie. Uh, we just chat and talk. And uh, I have uh, was uh, uh, very grateful to be a part of her show. And so this is uh, where we're at today. And, and this person that, that you're going to hear about is just like you if you're in rare disease, uh, or if you're not in rare disease, because I think that there's a duality in these human beings that we have, you know, so we got rare disease people and got normal people, but I just think that Effie is just one of those uh, unicorns, for lack of a better word, to, uh, to let us hear what she's been going through. So 
Uh, Effie, you are on the mic and it is your time to share with the people. So let's do a little quick little background for people so they know who you are, right? So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and what you brought you to, uh, to my life. Okay, well, uh, I live in Seattle, Washington with my husband and my two kiddos and my oldest son, Ford, he's five years old. He was born with a genetic disease called CTNNB1. Like many of our diseases, it's named after the gene. Uh, when we were told about Ford, we were told he was one in 30 in the world and they didn't know anything about it. And some of the kids could say several words and some of the kids could take several steps that they had found in a paper and to go home and love my kid. And as many of your listeners know, that is the worst day of your life. At least one of mm. the days of your life that is seared into your brain for sure uh, and it's a it's a really really scary day so when uh, you so. When, when when you when you were having normal interactions with your son out of birth did he seem normal and i, I would presume we're talking about ford right mm -hmm. yep ford you know yeah. we had we had trouble feeding ford right away uh we couldn't get him to latch onto me or onto a bottle uh, he couldn't suck or he wasn't swallowing. It was hard to tell I'm a little bit of both. Um, and we would feed him for like hours, three ounces of milk, and it would just be all over him. We had, we went through bibs, like hundreds of bibs and towels over him and he just wasn't getting the nutrition. Uh, so right away, my husband and I knew something was wrong. Um, and it took a few months to get medical professionals to actually listen to us and agree that we weren't just first time parents who were being worried and stressing out about something that didn't exist. Um, and at about four months old, Ford was admitted into the hospital with failure to thrive. I'm sorry, failure to thrive. Mm -hmm. Is that a thing? That is a term. That is a term when the child is not gaining any weight or even losing weight. Well, so it must have been tough. And um, you'd already, you, so you say you're not a first time parent, so you have another child? Uh, Ford was my first. Ford's five, and I have a two year old. So he was our first guy, her, our first little baby. Nice. And, and so it must have been challenging to actually express your fears to these medical professionals who basically just either didn't have the time or didn't care, or, you know, maybe they didn't understand and uh, they thought that uh, there was nothing wrong, but you're like, yeah. And so this. Yeah. Uh, it failure... was really difficult. Yeah. What was the it most was difficult really about difficult. it? What, what, what was so difficult about it? What was the, what was the most difficult part about that? You know, watching you know, Ford, go through that stuff, as well as you trying to tell them, hey, something's wrong. So many things, Christopher, uh, you know, a lot of it was feeling like I didn't have the right to question them because they were smarter than me and more educated than me and had a position of power. And I didn't know that I could question them right back. And I didn't know that I could take control of the situation and go somewhere else. And I, that was one part that was really difficult. You know, I wanted to be polite and respectful. And another part was I knew I wasn't doing it wrong. And I knew how to feed him. I knew what I was doing as a mom. And what they made me feel was that I was making a mistake or I wasn't holding correctly or I wasn't emotionally doing it correctly or whatever it was they were making they were making it out to be that ford wasn't eating because i simply wasn't doing something right and i knew that in my soul that it was totally wrong so it was a lot of things that was that made it really difficult but i would say those are probably two of the biggest ones it's it's it, it's an awful day i i remember that me for me too in our in our disease which is batten disease uh, being told that, um, yeah, this is the way it is. And, you know, good luck. See you later. Um, there's nothing we could do. Go home, love your kid. Uh, he's going to die soon. You know, this, this whole like cover your ass thing. It, 
it really was very scary because I too felt like you, I didn't, I didn't know I could challenge. I didn't know I could ask. This was a team of geneticists, you know, here at UCLA, you know, Ooh, you know, like they're the, 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 the end and all knowing. And, you know, they really weren't, um, they were just trying to be helpful. I mean, uh, bedside manner, they could probably take a few classes. Uh, so going through that and then having that happen to you, you started this, the, this path of like, you know what, I'm going to try to do something different. I'm not going to listen to them. It seems right. Eventually, eventually our pediatrician listened and she turned to me in our last appointment in horror. And she said, there's something wrong with Ford. I'm worried about him. So finally she listened you know, after looking at the growth charts and all of the things, and that was the beginning of uh, the rest of it, right? That was the beginning of figuring out what was actually going on with Ford and getting people on board and finding the specialists and getting the genetic testing, which then from that date took about, I don't know, nine more months, something like and, that. And, and you're saying that this doesn't have a name. It's got a number because it's, it's the so gene. rare. So it's, it's the just name the of the mutated gene. gene. Tell us what, what that is. What's the number? CTNNB1 is a gene that is responsible for producing a protein called beta-catenin, which is an important protein, like all of them, those darn proteins that so many of our kids aren't producing enough of or any of. Uh, this protein you know, deals with cells and cell health and cell growth and cell adhesion. It affects all parts of Ford. Um, he is nonverbal. He can't sit or crawl or walk or suck or swallow. He has hypotonia in his, in his core, which means really low muscle tone. And in his arms and his legs, he has dystonia. So his muscles are constantly uh, firing, if you will. Um, so he has a hard time kind of controlling his body and also, you know, doing a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I, I, so. I, I see, I see you on social media doing all these different uh, therapies and uh, the rubber bands were, were the last one. I think I saw of the therapy out here in Los Angeles or down South in San Diego. And um, it was, uh, it was really cool just uh, to see him going through that new stuff. And um, it, it, what do you think when you see your child? I mean, in a, in a normal light, no, no therapies. And you're just looking at them. What do you think? God, you I Ford? mean, Ford is anyone who sees Ford will literally see him and think he looks like an angel. <laughs> I mean, like he actually shimmers a little bit. I swear he has white hair and white skin yeah. and these <laughs> yeah. blue, blue, blue eyes that it's hard not to just gaze at Ford. Um, yeah. He's just such a sweet soul and he's so funny. You can see his humor just with his smirk that he always carries. And mm. I love looking at Ford. Yeah, he's a cutie and his smile is, it's infectious. So <laughs> do, do, do you, can Ford understand you? Can he communicate yes. somehow? Yes. You Ford, said he was non, you said he was nonverbal. Yes, I a hundred percent believe Ford understands everything that we say. Sometimes he doesn't really understand a couple different concepts um, of like pain. That's really the only thing I feel like he doesn't necessarily understand, but I can, I mean, I do. We have full blown conversations with Ford all day long. Uh, he has figured out sign language in his own way. And some of them are proper ASL signs and some are signs he made up uh, depending on you know, the, the difficulty of the sign itself, he can, he adapts it to however he can move his hands. Um, he's very expressive. Like you said, his smile, he's, he understands, you know, like pointing to something if he wants it, or he's starting to make some cool sounds recently. Um, so we've definitely figured out how to communicate with Ford. Obviously there are many times when he gets very frustrated because I'm not figuring it out. And those times really suck, um, mm. but we're, we're all getting so much better at figuring out how to communicate. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm not in that category, and I, I am grateful I'm not in that category. Uh, so 
during this this whole time you're going through all this stuff and you decide to have another child yeah yes tell me about her we we always wanted a bunch of kids and if i would have met casey sooner we would have had as many as possible um Even after Ford, I knew and Casey knew that our family just wasn't complete. Um, So we never questioned it. We were never worried that something else was going to happen, especially since this is random, right? So many of these genetic diseases are random. Everyone's DNA turns over and things, things switch. Like there are just changes in our DNA that happen. And this was one of them. So this wasn't something that we, uh, that Ford inherited, which was comforting to know. Um, and, you know, my, I, my heart aches for the parents who live with that thought that maybe they did something, even though they didn't, but I don't have to carry that. And I'm grateful for that. Um, so I wasn't worried about something bad happening, but I did start it with knowing that I didn't know anything the second time and that anything could happen. Whereas the first time I thought it was just going to be perfect. So we have a second child and how old is she? Ezzy is two. She's, she's going to be three in January. She's wow. amazing. And, and, and no signs of any uh, dystrophy or deficiencies or any disease. No, in fact, Esme is so on the other side of the spectrum that it is bananas. She started talking like when she was one, she is really smart. She's, she's not like any other two-year-old I've ever met. She's so funny. (laughs) She's hilarious. She's very hilarious. Uh, So it's a completely different world. My two kids. And and so you, you said that this is not your, your number is not genetically inherited. So what was the reason why the doctors said, or they, you know, assumed was the reasons for Ford turning out the way that he did. And now that we have a new child, completely different, was there any theory behind that? It's completely random. Just random. Wow. Completely random. Kind of like, kind of like seizures or just random. Yep. It just happened. It was just one break in the chain of the coding in the DNA that messed it all up. And and how rare is your disease? Are there others like Ford? Yeah, we've, we've discovered almost 300 patients worldwide, but the thing about these rare diseases, you know, Christopher, is that there's so many people who just don't have a diagnosis. Um, especially the older people, the CTNMB1 wasn't discovered until 2012. So most of our patients are very young who have had genetic testing since 2012. Um, so yeah, I mean, I bet there's thousands of people who have a CP diagnosis who actually have CTNMB1 and they'll never know because doctors aren't looking or parents aren't looking or it just, you know, it's, it's just the way that it is, but I encourage people who do have something going on with their kids who just got a CP diagnosis to go get a genetic test, find out what it really is, because you could be joining a community with kids that are actually like your kid and you could get so many answers to what's going on and even just help with like what medication works for your kid or whatever, like there are more answers and science is moving so quickly. And I would encourage everyone to just go take another look because they're discovering new genes all the time. So when you, when you have this, um, this diagnosis and you start to find others in your category, uh, and then you decide to have another child who's completely normal. Did you kind of question life at that point? Or did you just jump right into, I need to save my son? After the situation with Ford, it was super dark time. It was horrible and sad and messy. Uh, 
even though it might not have necessarily really appeared like that to a lot of my friends and family, because I was trying to be strong and uh, be grateful for what I did have. And I was happy and I was grateful, but like there was so much of that that sucked. And there was so much isolation of just my life being so different than I expected and so different than everyone else's around me. Um, so for a while there, I just, I just felt pretty lost and I felt cheated and I felt mad. Uh, and I didn't like feeling like that. That's just not who I am inside. And it was draining me. And I wasn't, I wasn't like recognizing myself. Um, so that's when I started like searching. Um, and I spent a lot of time in the car, Chris, as you know, all we do is drive to appointments. And so I was <laughs> trying to find books and podcasts yeah. and I was typing in rare disease, genetic disease, disability. And I found a literal handful of things. And what you said about me is something that happened. I found these two guys named Sean and Kyle who host a podcast called the two disabled dudes. And I remember finding them and I had that moment where I was like, oh my God, they know mm. me, they get me. Yeah. This isn't the worst thing ever. And like, there can be happy again and there can be hope. And there are people who understand what I'm feeling. And after I found them is when I really started to just, that's when I made a decision in the fact that I didn't want to feel this way. I didn't want to walk through life this way. I wanted to find the best way to take care of my kid and love my kid and accept my kid and everything that we have. And it was after finding them that made me realize that I didn't have to stay in this dark hole and yeah. feel so different than everyone. So are you married? Yes. So would you say that your husband helps you take care of these children or is he the guy that goes to work? Does he provide all that good stuff? I mean, and the only reason why I asked is, you know, for you people listening is because a lot of times the, the family really just gets separated. You know, uh, I've always said this, you know, uh, moms freak out and dads check out. So it's good to, to, to hear this lady's story. So again, Effie, you married, right? Oh my gosh. I married and I married up like Casey isn't even a normal person. I really only met two other people like him, I think in the entire world. And I'm really lucky. Um, and I had to go through a lot of crap to find someone like him. So I totally deserve him. Okay. <laughs> um, and no, Casey's, Casey's everything and more. And I'm so grateful awesome. for him. Awesome. So you got, uh, you got some help from the husband uh, we got siblings, uh, family members helping you in your situation. Yeah, I have a really amazing support system. Uh, I myself have 12 brothers and sisters. Uh, they don't 12. live here, but they're my 12. friends. Did you say 12? 12, yes. Wow. Do you not know that about me? No, no, Effie, that's yep. why we're talking. That's <laughs> why we're asking these important questions because people want to know. Yeah. 12 siblings. Holy crap. I have 12 siblings who are the best people in the world. And my mm. husband's family actually lives here and they live within a mile or two of us. And his mom especially has just been so helpful and everyone, I mean, Casey's family has really showed up and they helped me out so much. Like I couldn't even, I'd be dead without them. Wow. That's amazing that you have like all that external help as well as the interior covered. That's, that's, uh, you're very lucky, Effie. You're very, very lucky. And, I know. Uh, I hope Trust God me, I would, know. I hope that they, they continue to give you the, the support and the strength and the love that, uh, you know, we all need, you know, going forward. So, you know. Um, They're my prisoners now, so um, <laughs> they will. <laughs> I see. I see. Well, so you, you said, uh, I got my tribe. I found some peeps. I'm going to do something. What'd you do, Effie? I mean, seriously. Well, you know, that was also a part of it. Like I wasn't finding my people. Like I, I found my CTNME one group. Yes. And that's great. And I love them. And all of our kids are magical. And then I was on a lot of Facebook groups with other parents like me and 
you know, there was a couple people I met through like early intervention here, but like, I still didn't find what I needed. I wasn't necessarily connecting where I wanted to connect online and I couldn't find exactly what I was looking for. So I decided to just make it and hope that people would show up or that I would find them somehow. And so after listening to the two disabled dudes, I was like, this is what I have to do. This is, I can do this. And that's when I was like, oh, I need to make a podcast. Boop, boop. How do I do that? And I did it and I started it. And the second I started it, people started showing up. People started coming. People started latching on. Mm. And it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one of my... One of my favorite friends found me very early on in the podcast and it's just been transformational. You know, starting the podcast was so good for my soul, but it was also something that was filling a giant hole that so many other parents like me were in. Um, no, and just so we all know, what is that podcast called? The podcast is called Once Upon a Gene. You can find it anywhere uh, on all social media, uh, podcast apps, my website, whatever. You can't not find me. Really? Interesting. What I'm more in, uh, actually drawn to is uh, the episodes. Very well put out there where these are kind of just like your random thoughts that are just put to tape. So um, <laughs> how, did that, how did that come about? I mean, because you already had the podcast, you already found your people. Uh, why this little quip? What did that do for you? Uh, well, aside from my husband just being amazing in general, he is like the largest dork on the planet. And one of the things is he really likes puns. And we were talking one night and he was like, Effie, people need to get to know you more. Like your interviews are amazing and they're great, but like people like you too. And you should tell them about yourself and he was like, you need something like an episode. And I was like, oh my God, Casey. And I was like, duh, yeah, you're right. I do. How can I not use episode after that? Um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Episode, so, Effie, episode. <laughs> yeah, magical. So, magical. Yeah, magical. <laughs> so I decided to do that to let people have a little more of a window into who I am alongside my rare disease interviews. And it's been nice. a, it's been a nice addition. Not, not only has it been a nice addition, but you just recently got uh, an award for being a podcaster. What was that about? Dude. Oh my gosh. So Dude. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us what, what happened? Amazing. There's an organization called we go health. A lot of people are familiar with them. If they're in our world, uh, they're a patient advocacy group. Um, and every year they hold an award show and they pick out digital, digital advocates. So they do blogs and YouTube channels and podcasts and people nominate your podcast or your show and then people have to vote for it. And then after you get voted in to be the top five, then it goes to a judging panel. And yeah, my podcast won, which is freaking crazy. It was amazing. Um, it, Congrats. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. It was really special. And the people involved in the company itself were just so amazing and kind and generous, and they really care about their job. And mm. it was, it was really cool to be recognized for this work um, and to know that it's reaching people and that it's not just me talking out into the universe. So the, the, the podcast, you know, you said was good for the soul and, and doing this. And obviously it's got some, you know, uh, accolades and the episodes and stuff like that. Uh, do you think you're helping anybody? hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I said, just knowing someone else is actually out there is sometimes all you need. And yeah, I a hundred percent know I am, even if not, I'm helping myself and like, I say in my podcast, I need all the help I can get because this is hard and this is foreign and this is complicated <laughs> yeah. and yeah. we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do any of it by ourselves. It's true. 
It's very true. Hence us meeting, right? Um, you know, we have to help ourselves before we help others. And I, I can see how you, you pivoted there. You know, you had been given this, this, uh, you know, this challenge is awful challenge. And then you, you had that support internally. And then you, you went out there and you said, I'm going to go talk about it. And people started listening and you're actually helping and then you get an award for it. I hope it continues. We need more awareness. We need uh, help in every area of rare disease. And if you, if you want to catch, uh, uh, Miss Park's episodes or episodes, you can find them on, I would imagine, uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, to name a few, uh, you know, right alongside mine, of course, which is, you know, we're going to dust that off later. <laughs> we're going to try to catch this girl. Uh, as, as, as the new show continues in, in you are the, uh, the inaugural guest. I want to talk about some topics here. So I always have a hard time um, dealing with life especially in our world. And a lot, of the, a lot of the problems that I have to deal with is my anger and resentment. I wanted to touch base that with you. Uh, I know in your backstory, you're a little bit perturbed and stuff like that. So, I mean, but going forward in today, you know, it, is life hard currently for you? And we're talking about time management, relationships, family, other kids, financially, uh, emotionally. Because, you know, when I, when I ask you that question, I can tell you right now, I'm like, I'm like that bubbling hot pot on the stove that just wants to explode into those two, you know, anger, resentment. How do you feel about all that? It's challenging, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really do believe that a lot of the coping mechanisms and a lot of our personality stuff that we not, we can't necessarily control all the time really come from our childhood. And it comes from the, the, what we were passed down, you know, or what our parents passed down to us, whether it was them not paying attention to us when we were pissed or them reacting to us when we were pissed, like anything like that. I feel like so much of the way we handle things comes from our childhood. And I also think that figuring out ways to repair little tears or tons of damage from stuff in our past is imperative to doing anything now and to figuring out any way to move forward in anything. And it's a constant practice. And I have a woo-woo mom and I have a woo-woo sister. And I kind of grew up being aware of this stuff and reading the airy fairy books and finding the self-help stuff along the way. And so I've had that language a lot, which has been something I'm really grateful for because I'm scared to know what would have happened to me if I didn't have a lot of that stuff to kind of draw on at the time when I thought I was going to bubble up and explode and burn the house down. Um, and it's just constant, Chris. I think you can't ever let it fall by the wayside. It's like working out. If you stop working out, your muscle tone goes away so fast you, if yeah. you just, it does, it happens so fast and it's the same with doing it, right? Like you lift weights for a couple of days and you notice a difference. You can do mm. more reps the next day when you didn't think you could the day before you feel mm. your muscle tone. Like it's the same thing with self development and preservation. Like you have to always pay attention and you have to always do stuff for it or it falls away. And so, so you, you, you're struggling with those topics currently, and you're saying that you're woo woo, whatever that means. What is the woo woo? <laughs> well, I use woo woo jokingly, um, because I think topics like this are so much more commonplace now, like self-reflection, self-development, self-help, like, you know, understanding your emotions and letting yourself be emotional and using them as tools and not as you know, something that cripples you and finding so, so, out why. So there's no acronym. There's no acronym for WU. It's just woo woo. <laughs> what does yeah. that mean though? I mean, is that like a, a wham wham? <laughs> no, it's just like the less, the less practical way, you know, like, okay, therapy fixes everything. Mm, no, it doesn't. Yeah, maybe, no. No. maybe part of it is like meditating and journaling and whatever, you know, it's like that dichotomy, right? Like it's, it's finding the balance 
between the science and and the other stuff. Do you, uh, are you in therapy? No, I'm not in therapy right now. Are you in yoga? Oh, I do all the things. I do all the things. I'm not in yoga. I have a mirror. Have you seen those mirrors? Um, um, the ones that are like all over the TV where you work out in front of the mirror? Mm-hmm. Like the yeah, mirror, I have a mirror. Do, do you work out? Is that, that's, that's what you do? You, you talk to the mirror? Uh, sometimes I do talk to it. Yeah, but they have every kind of uh, workout, yoga, meditation, stretching, weight training. They have it all on there. It's the best piece of equipment ever. I don't have to leave my house. I don't have to find a time to get into a class. I don't have to get a babysitter. Mm. It's just right there. Mm. You, you don't, you don't, you don't seem, you don't seem like a very angry person. Um, you seem very positive and very upbeat and you seem like, you know, it's like, you know, turn the other cheek all the time. Um, very different. It's very different in my experience. Maybe because I talked to, to, you know, a few men and women that are just, you know, they've been displaced or they've had some other challenges and maybe not have as much support. I mean, you know, if you know anything about me, I, I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut and sharing my opinions and, you know, that that's my way. Um, even shirts get me into trouble. Uh, certain things get me into trouble. Um, this is one of my nicer shirts that I gave to myself because I believe in affirmation. I am not your average dad. And most people would tell me I'm a lot more, uh, which is nice to hear. But unless you really get to know me, you'd probably run. Um, what would Effie say that her biggest challenge is today? And, and what are you doing to get over that hump? Mm, yes. Okay. Well, no, I'm not an angry person, but I can definitely be angry. And I've had to work through a lot of anger. Um, my biggest challenge right now, I think my biggest challenge right now is insurance. <laughs> Just like Man, insurance and the government disability stuff, like I've had to take another break from it because I'm just so sick of fighting all the time. And (laughs) it's so exhausting. And that, that makes me angry. Mm. I, I'm just so tired of it. And you know, when I'm tired of it and I have to take a break, you know, who suffers Ford Ford's the one not getting the services. Ford's the one not getting the therapy that he needs. Ford's the one who is losing and that sucks. I don't like that. It's it's not funny, but I can relate to that when you say it's insurance because as you get on with your child in rare disease, you become familiar. You become just, it's, I, this is my day and this is what we're expecting. And this is what's happening. It becomes like just usual, you know, whether you're doing feeding tubes or you're doing like uh, medical beds or what are they doing wheelchairs? It just, it becomes part of the deal. It's like when I was a brand new father, it was like, you know, where's the baby bag? If the baby bag is not in the car, we're screwed. You got to go back and get the baby bag. You know, for, for my situation, it's like, when is the seizure going to happen? When is he going to fall down? All these different things. And, and I can imagine the same thing with Ford, but it's, 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 crazy to hear you're not the first person to tell me that actually today i was just talking to another person about insurance and and the the confusing aspect if you're listening out there and and you can probably add something to this effie is that insurance is there it says that we have this specific type of insurance that covers your child your child can get this coverage and get this help great and then you start the process of the paperwork and it's wrong, or it's not for what we can, uh, we didn't mean that, or you have to do this other application, or you have to go here, or you have to do that. And I think the frustrating thing is like, I don't know if it's fraud or whatever it is, but it's like, you just said my child could get this, and here I am applying for it, and now you're saying, yeah, but no. And, and it's so hard to get I mean, I'm grateful. I don't know if you have it or not, but I, I, I got some programs and I'm trying to apply for some. And one of the challenges I have right now is like trying to get on, on social security or SDI for Sebastian. 
and they want to know his paperwork of his current uh, scope of medical history. And I send that from UCLA and they say, yeah, we don't believe you. You're going to have to go through all of our doctors, all of our specialists to see if you're telling the truth. Now I get that, but man, again, wasted time. The, the services aren't getting to the person that they said they could get to. And here we are spinning our wheel. It's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy maker and it's, it makes me angry and it's uh, such a disservice and it's so broken. It's very, yes, it's very broken yeah. and things need to change, especially for people that don't have, you know, income coming in because you're taking care of your rare disease patient 24 seven, you don't have a partner that makes any money or you have a partner, you know, who's there, let's be honest, because that's, that's pretty important. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's very challenging. So you're saying that, that the insurance is the biggest challenge for you currently. It's, it's not your child that is suffering this disease. And that's very interesting. I think my insurance is such a pain point for me right now. And then, uh, another thing is something I talk about a lot is how difficult it is to just have a regular day. Uh, you know, like, Ford's in a wheelchair, Ezzy's too. Like it's impossible to get my two kids out and about by myself. Um, yeah. Like that hurts my heart. And it, it makes me say the F word every day. Like I just no. want to take my kids to the park and you? I can't without a helper, you know, like Ezzy is running around and Ford's in his wheelchair and I can't just be a regular person and let the kids go have fun. I can't do stuff by myself. So we get imprisoned inside a lot. And uh, that makes me sad for the kids. Um, yeah. And it's, it's hard and it's. So what do you do? What do you do to change that? You know, a lot of the times I'll just do it. I'll just do it. I'll just take them out and it's hard and scary. And we've had accidents or. <laughs> I will reach out and ask grandma if she's available or see if a friend is available. Well, those um, 12, 12 siblings, what are they doing? Yeah, they need to, we all need to be neighbors. Okay. Yeah. Let's, if you guys are listening, you guys call her and, and take care of these kids for her with her, be a part of it more. Not that you're not, but more. I mean, I, I, I had that situation you know, for a while until my children got older, but you know, Sebastian, is still inclined to hit that wheelchair every once in a while because his body just gives out. Um, but I remember in the, in the beginning, it's like, you know, you got one healthy child and one child that's not, that needs more assistance. And so um, it is challenging. And I, and I can't believe that I've never heard you say the word, one of my favorite words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that part, that part makes me really sad. That part hurts my feelings a lot. And then I'm, I feel bad for my daughter, right? Like, as he doesn't get to go and do all the fun kid stuff and run around the museum or whatever, because mm. we have to take care of her brother Ford. And I just, yeah. I just, I really try to be mindful of like how not to screw this up, you know, and how not to make her miss out. And also to just learn to love what she has. It's hard. Yeah, it's probably, also probably fight with a lot of guilt. You know, you know, I never use the word guilt for myself and I don't really identify with the word guilt itself. Um, but I do feel sad about it. Mm. Well, I think you're doing a great job. I, I've, I don't <laughs> know you. you personally. I only know you from social media. I don't even know if you're real, but I'm sure that uh, <laughs> uh, what they say is true. You know, uh, people in rare disease have to do what they have to do and someone is going to suffer either attention or uh, experiences or you know life itself you know and as life keeps going on we we have to kind of find that balance like you said and uh, having someone else with a second set of hands is really helpful and um, I, I try to find time to to do something privately or separate you know, with my younger son, Gage, uh, whenever I can, but I can't compete to the online gaming world and really don't relate to his friends in this uh, new generation, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have conversations with him and, man, this kid is smart. He just blows me away. And, and, and the one thing that I've done in the past is 
when I do spend time away from Sebastian and I, and I spend time with my other son, I, I, I feel it's like it's bittersweet um, because I want everyone to enjoy everything and be together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's challenging because I, um, I know that uh, one of my children really can't comprehend a whole lot of things like my other son can. And uh, that for me is tough. And I can't change that. And that's even more challenging because, you know, of course, you know, male ego and pride is the death of every man. We want to change you and change the situation because we're fixers. Damn it. (laughs) So um, I I, I totally relate to that, Effie. Um, Just a couple more things, Effie. What do you see yourself doing in the next year, the 2022? You got any goals or aspirations? Do you have any advice? for these new parents coming into this fold of rare disease? Because, you know, if you look back on this last 10 years for me, I see a whole lot of people spinning out new stuff all the time and more people coming into the rare disease land, as I say. And, you know, it's this, it's the same generation or it's the same merry-go-round of like, my kid is sick, I need help, awareness, foundation, fundraiser, what do I do next? And, and I think that's a, and then these, these things just kind of just go away. People just stop. They just get tired. You know, I'm tired too. So how do you, how do you do it? Effie? I know you're kind of fairly new into this thing, but you seem to be a trailblazer. You seem to be founding your groove. Is there any goals or aspirations or any kind of tidbits you can give your listeners out there today? Man, I just, I just really want people to know that you're not alone and one of the most important things you can do for yourself in the beginning is to just embrace the suck as they say, and just really let yourself have that time to be mad and sad and jealous and angry and frustrated and depressed and whatever it is like, dude, you have to let it show up because if you're, if you're pushing it down and if you're hiding it away on some shelf, it is going to be so much worse. And it's gonna waste so much valuable time for you and your healing and your family and your kids and your relationships. Mm. And you have to just let it be a part of your life because guess what it is? And you can't ignore it. Um, And I think you can really learn from it. Like you can really learn about your emotions and what they're trying to teach you and what decisions that you need to make from them rather than being afraid and making them go away. Um, If you need to talk to someone because you can't even say the word jealous and you can't believe you're jealous of your sister, you can email me because I'll understand. I get it. Like we get it. If you don't ever want to imagine that you're having these horrible thoughts, they're not horrible thoughts. They're just human thoughts. And Uh, anyone who tells you that they don't feel like that or haven't ever felt like that is not being honest and just move to the next person who will understand. Yeah. I think it's really important to just be honest with yourself because that's when it's going to be able to open up and put you on a different path to figuring out what you're good at or what you need to do to feel better or to do better or to make goals for yourself and help cure your kid like you, you know, like hmm. you got to go through all that stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely important to actually just forget what people think about you and what your situation is when you go through those emotions uh, because uh, the people that get you are the ones that are in it and the people that don't get you and are offended um, aren't in it. And, um, I don't think it's our job to teach them, but I think it's our job to kind of be patient and to be accepting of others as a whole. I, I've always lived this mantra. I really don't give a shit what you think of me, uh, but I love you. And, uh, I hope you join us and, and help us. If not, then you go your own thing. I'm, so what I'm trying to do, uh, here with you, Effie is create an online support group uh, Project Sebastian is going to be sponsoring weekly meetings at 1 p.m. on Zoom uh, for anyone and everybody to come on and just share your story or to talk about a topic that's pissing you off. Um, jealousy is a good one. I got to tell I'm fucking jealous of a lot of people's lives. 
And everybody I tell that to, they're amazed at my life. And there are times that I just don't see it. I don't want to see it. Maybe, I don't know. So Effie, I appreciate you coming on today and kind of being raw and real. I don't think I've ever heard some of these words come out of your mouth. Um, you know, you're very <laughs> sweet and genuine on your other uh, platform. So it's good to kind of like dig deep with you a little bit. And uh, I know we only scratched the surface, you know, maybe one day you'll come back and you'll join our support group and just really get into it. And we hear that F word. Uh, so that's all the time we have. Uh, Effie, can you tell us uh, real quick where we can find you on the internet, all of your social media, just verbalize it for me, please. Yes. Uh, thanks, Christopher, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And what you're doing with Project Sebastian and your online support groups is going to be amazing and it's so needed. Uh, you can find me at onceuponagene.com. You can find the podcast anywhere, download an app. It's on your phone. You can even listen to it on the website if you'd like. There's also a video version of the podcast on the Disorder channel called Once Upon a Gene TV. You can download that channel on a Roku or an Amazon Fire. It features over 100 rare disease films and shows. Uh, it's amazing. So check it all out and uh, message me anytime if you have any questions or if you just want to talk. Awesome. I need to get on that channel. I need to get on the Disorder channel. I need to, 100%. Make, a, need to make a splash and share my thoughts with those dads. Yeah, you do. Well, uh, Effie, awesome. Thank you for sharing your life with us for the, the, the last 45 minutes to an hour or so. Uh, it's always good to have conversations with people. You just don't look at the clock. It's awesome. You flow very well with me and I appreciate your time. So with that, the unnamed podcast will now conclude when we'll get you a title out there. Uh, so that's all the time we have for today. And I appreciate you guys listening or watching wherever you're doing this. God bless and have an amazing holiday season, everybody. Thank you for joining. Bye. Thank you for joining us on The Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. We appreciate your listening. If you have a story or want to talk about your journey, please reach out to us at info at projectsebastian.org and put Rare Hour in the subject line. We hope to have you on the show. You can find us at www.projectsebastian.org, on Facebook at Project Sebastian, on Instagram at Project Sebastian One, and on Twitter at Gaga V Project. Don't forget, you can find us on the Clubhouse app too. Just search Rare Disease. Thank you.